Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the Grand Slam Podcast, episode 23. I am your host, Moneymaker Chris, and joined as always by Mr. Jay Giles. Jay, how you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, I have my ironclad contract, so um, even when we don't do the show, I still get paid. Hey, that's the that's the start of my man. All, 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 all that money's coming in, man. <laughs> you good to go, man. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, just just call me Bobby Bonilla, right? <laughs> that's right. You, you you get the Bobby Bonilla contract. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh man, so you ready to get started? Yes, sir. All right, cool. All right, first up, Mister Bryce Harper. Now we've talked about him many times here. On the show, but I came across this the other day. This podcast he had done, the Barstool um, Starting Nine podcast, and he got a lengthy. It was a lengthy episode. It was almost like a two, three hour podcast. He was talking about everything about you know how he got started, you know, coming up through the Nationals organization and everything, his debut, and of course his you know free agency, which was the big thing that I want to wanted to focus on. And he touched on a lot of things, really breaking down like how. <clears throat> The whole free agency process went for him and everything. And he said that he was very disappointed with the Nationals offer. They had offered him like a 10-year deal with like $300 million. But a lot of that was deferred money. So it was mostly like on the back end of the contract. And he said he was felt very, very hurt by that. So that kind of played a role in him ultimately signing with the, signing with the Phillies. But also, too, I found it interesting. He said the first time that he interviewed with them, he wasn't impressed. He wasn't like, like interested in what they were offering at the time. It was during that second meeting when he actually seemed to kind of gain interest and said, okay, this is the place where I ultimately want to be. And he seemed big on not having an opt-out for the contract. He said he didn't want any type of opt-out. He wanted to be locked in, you know, for the length of time. He ultimately signed a 13-year, uh, $330 million contract with the Phillies. So he didn't want any opt-out, no trade clause. He didn't want any of that. He wanted to be wherever he was going to decide to ultimately be at. He wanted to be that, you know, be that, like, basically his final destination, his final, you know, stop date. Mm. And I just found it just very interesting, especially when he was talking about, like, the Philly fans. He was talking about, like, oh, you know, the Philly, they're so great and they're so wonderful. And even when they were booing me, you know, I felt so, you know, at home. I loved it and everything. And I just felt like, it was a little disrespectful to the fans here in D.C. I mean, we love Bryce Harper here. From the moment he debuted in 2012, we I was at his the very first game that he played at Nationals Park. And just the atmosphere that night was just unbelievable. The seven years that he spent here, it was just like a phenomenal, it was a phenomenal time. And we loved him. We went to the games. He came up to the plate. The crowd went nuts. The home run derby that he won the last year was here. The fans were going crazy for him. The energy in that stand that night was just unbelievable. But just to see him talk about, oh, Philly's so wonderful, this, and they, you know, cared so much about me. It's like, we loved you here in D.C. too. We had love for you here as well. And I just found it just very interesting, some of the comments. And also, too, he was talking about, like, how the whole time that he was here, Everybody was talking about, you know, his free agency. You know, when's he going to leave? When's he going to leave? Where's he going to go? Is he going to go play for the Yankees? going to go play here? Yes, that was true. But I heard that more from the national media than more so than the local media. I mean, you heard some inklings here and there about, you know, his free agency. But 
it was more on a national stage, I felt, than most of the local media talking about, oh, you know, where is he going to land and everything. And also, too, I also remember an interview that he gave, like, right on, like that last time he was here during spring training. I remember him coming to the podium specifically saying, if you ask me anything about my free agency, I'm going to get up and walk away. Don't ask me nothing about it. I don't want to hear about it. I just want to focus on this season. So, anyway, um, your thoughts on the whole, um, what you heard from the podcast and what your thoughts on some of his comments and stuff here? Well, it, it just, it seemed like Bryce Harper has always been one of those guys that is, I, I guess I have to call it the the Isaiah Thomas um, effect. <laughs> Where, <laughs> where you know he he's the aggressor, but he will try to make other people seem to make him look like the villain, I mean, the mm-hmm. victim, I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I I feel like okay, so the the Nationals was willing to give him a ten year, three hundred million dollar con. Mm-hmm want to take that because the bulk of that money was going to be on the back end of it. Right. Whereas the Phillies give him a 13 year, 330 million. So you get three plus three more years and $30 million more. Mm-hmm. And are you trying to tell me that the bulk of that money is on the front end? I gotta say, I don't know the whole breakdown of that contract, but I can't believe all that money is, you know, up front money. Yeah. I, can, I can guarantee you that. I guarantee so, you it's not. And the whole thing about, you know, he might want to play for the Yankees or the Dodgers or something like that. Well, how did that get started? That I mean, there had to be some smoke that came from somewhere. Right? It had to. I'm sure I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. And, I think he said himself something said something himself about playing for the Yankees, I believe. So there you go, right? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, one thing that always kind of stuck out about him signing with the Phillies to me was that, especially after what you said, where he, like he say he wasn't impressed with them the first time, mm-hmm. but the second time he really mm-hmm. was. Well, mm-hmm. do you do you think that the first time he really didn't want to hear what they had to say because he was still thinking like maybe I have a chance to play for the Yankees, maybe I have a chance to play for the Dodgers. And then when those negotiations or whatnot talks, you know, fail through, hey, Phillies, uh, I'll listen to whatever you want to say now because I can't go back to D.C. Mm-hmm. So That's a and, very good possibility because the Dodgers offered him a contract. And like I said, even Houston, they offered him like a one-year deal with a lot of money and incentives for that one year. He said he was considering he was considering that too. And also he said once he had the meeting with the Nationals, he said he thought the meeting went well and went good. And he told uh, Scott Boris, you know, hey, you know, get the deal done. Get the deal done. And then also too, he waited so late in the frequency period too. I think it was like late February, early March when he finally ultimately signed his contract. I mean, he went pretty much the whole offseason. There was still this, you know, back and forth. Well, where is he going to sign? Is he going to stay with the Nationals? Is he going to go to the Phillies? Is he going to go to, you know, Houston, is he going to go to the Dodgers? There was still a lot of speculation. He didn't get that deal done to like the very like last minute. Like spring training was already underway, and he finally ultimately signed that contract. Yeah, see, so like I say, maybe there was some behind the scenes stuff that you know that he he won't 
discuss, but to kind of make himself look like the good guy in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he have to say what he has to say. That's why I call it the the Isaiah Thomas effect. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that, but you know what? That is very, very accurate when you think about some of his comments and stuff here, too. And also, too, I find this interesting as well. He said, also, when we signed uh, Patrick Corbin, he said he told Scott Boris, he said, oh, they're going to win the World Series. He said he called it right then and there. He said they're going to win the World Series. He said he always thought that they were a pitcher, one pitcher away from ultimately getting to the World Series. And I also got to thinking, too. Okay, so they signed Patrick Corbin. You feel they're going to win the World Series. You, wouldn't you think that would be some more incentive for you to try to stay with the organization if you felt in your heart that this was the move that they needed to ultimately get to that next level, get over that hump, and win the World Series? Mm-hmm. Like I said, he... Like I said, he, he's a good... He's, he's one of the best baseball players, I think, okay. today. Without question, no doubt about that. He he just has that way about him that rubs people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, like I said, so it, it, it was like I say, from what I listened to it, or listen to him talking and everything, it was interesting to hear some of the stuff that he said, but mm-hmm. it, it felt like there's a lot of re- read between the lines stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I was talking to my aunt earlier about it as well. We were saying some of the same things. I mean, like, come on now. And I still feel that he feels some kind of way. He was like, oh, no, I was happy that they national, they won the World Series. You know, the way they had their rotation going, you know, everything. They, I was happy for those guys. Everybody thinks you know, I'm bitter about that. Oh, no, I was happy that they won. There's, he's saying that now, but I guarantee you deep down inside, he's like, man, the second I leave, they finally won the World Series. You know, we won the division. You know, we got into playoffs. Always we get knocked out in the first round. The second I leave, they win the World Series. I don't care what he says. He has to feel some kind of way about that. It's like, man, you know, that could have been me. Yeah, it could have been me. Right? It could have been me. <laughs> it could have been me. <laughs> but, 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 but not only that. Do you think they make that type of run that they make in the playoffs if he's still there? Probably not because it, it instead of being the quote-unquote Bryce Harper show, everybody was a part of that World Series win. You had Anthony Rendon. You had Howie Kendrick. You had Juan Soto. You had you know, Ryan Zimmerman in there. You had Scherzer. You had Strasburg. Everybody was, you know, playing their part and contributing to that role, and it just seemed like they—they they just had a different energy about them, a different commitment, a different bond once he left. Could they have ultimately <clears throat> won a World Series with him? I think they could have, but just something just seemed to just click as soon as he left. They seemed to come together, even even after they had they had that bad start. They started like nineteen and thirty-one. They were awful, and all of a sudden, just they turned it around. They just got it together, and they just they had that extra, you know. Momentum and they were able to win the World Series. Yep. So it's a lot of stuff, but I you can't tell me that he don't feel some type of way. I, he, I can't, like, he can't honestly be like, oh, I'm I'm completely happy for them and that I who spent seven years with this team that the moment I leave they win and I'm not a part of that. That I'm just happy where I'm at and don't feel like I should have been a part of that. Exactly, especially when since his team was sitting at home. That team didn't, didn't even make the playoffs. There was a lot of hype around the Phillies. They were sitting at home. He's sitting at home watching the Nationals. His former team 
win the World Series. I don't care what he says. He has to feel something about that. So, so yeah. Yeah, so I just, I just, I just find that very interesting. Like I said, if anybody wants to listen to it, you know, listen to that podcast. You know, it's, it's a good listen. It's a long podcast, but it's a good listen if you want to hear kind of his, you know, backstory and his, you know, whole process through free agency and everything. But uh, any other thoughts on that, or shall we move on? Uh, we can move on. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. That, I'm pretty sure it won't be the last time we talk about it. I'm, 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 I'm sure it's not. I'm sure we'll have more to say about Mr. Bryce Hopper, You know, as we continue this podcast. <laughs> Alrighty, so now on to the Red Sox, the 2004 World Series champion Red Sox. Let's get into their season. Um, they finished that season at 98 and 64. Um, let's see, the manager at that time was Terry Francona. And, I mean, this team was loaded, man. They had a lot, very good lineup. Johnny Damon was on the team at the time. Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Kevin Millar, Jason Veritek, Pokey Reese. They had Pedro Martinez. Kurt Schilling was on the team. I mean, this was a very good, very good Red Sox team. And Nomar Garcia-Power was still on the team, too. But um, they ultimately traded, ultimately traded him, but he was on the, he was on the team as well. But yeah, they had a very, very good season that year. Um, got to the playoffs and they swept the Angels in the divisional American League division round. Um, they beat the Yankees in seven games, uh, four to three. I think David, one of the games, David Ortiz had a game-winning walk-off home run. I said that was the game they showed the other night um, with him. They ultimately got to the World Series um, and ended up playing the Cardinals, and they ended up sweeping them up four nothing. And um, I. I had totally forgot. I totally forgot about this. Um, this was also the the, the a famous, infamous uh, Red Sox bloody sock game for Kurt Schilling. I don't know how I totally <laughs> slipped my mind that that was you know during that postseason because I remember when that happened. I was yeah, like, in my notions of the guy. I said, oh yeah, that's right, that did happen. But yeah, um, yeah, they finally you know came through and won the World Series. Um, any thoughts on that Red Sox team? Any memories from that season? Anything that stood out to you? Well, I mean, of course, I mean, they had a great season. I mean, mm-hmm. 98 and 64 is nothing to sleep on. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing for them is that ALCS um, with against the Yankees mm-hmm. where they were down 3-0. Mm-hmm. And they come back and we have four straight. Exactly. It's like, hmm, okay. They and I mean they do it. And I always felt like what they did in 2004, even though it's two different sports we're about to compare, but I feel like what they did in 2004 against the Yankees is what the Portland Trailblazers should have done against the Lakers in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna go down that road, but it, it had, <laughs> yeah, but it still had the same kind of you know mm-hmm. momentum that was behind it because it's like okay, okay, they won one, yeah, they win one, but they'll probably lose game five. But then oh snap, they won game five. All right, well they probably lose game six. Oh snap, they won game six. Uh, yeah, they, but they'll probably end up losing game seven. Oh my God! Wait a minute, they won game seven. They came back and they beat this team four straight times. And then we mm-hmm. talk about the stacked Yankees team at oh, that point. Oh yeah, loaded Yankees team at the time. So, and I mean, they had. Some, I mean, this team, this Red Sox team, had some really good pitch. I mean, of course, you had Kurt Schilling, mm-hmm. 
but also too you had um you had Pedro was still there. Mm-hmm. Tim Tim Wakefield, who I I mean he was a good pitcher, but I never looked at him as like like he was he I kind of always dreaded whenever he started because it was always like uh, he might end up blowing a game or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't nobody that you know struck fear in anybody. Yeah, he all he all because I mean he never had like he never had good like power like finesse pitching. Well, right. he was more of a finesse pitcher. Finesse really. pitcher, yeah, that's that, 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 that's that's accurate. But his stuff was never like he wasn't no he wasn't on the level of Greg Maddox, I should say. Oh no 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 no. And but I mean because I mean. I want to say that what Pedro was your ace and then Schilling was your number two. Mm-hmm. Basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. That's fair. And then it kind of fell in line. I mean, you had Derek Lowe and Derek Lowe was on the team too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bronson Arroyo was your starters and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I mean, but but they came together and you know, it it just like everything just clicked for them. And I mean, me being a Red Sox fan, because I I am a Red Sox fan. I, I actually oh, love that okay. team. So okay. yeah, I mean, like okay. once, I mean, once I kind of saw that my Braves were kind of, you know, that that era, you know, was was leaving. Or at that point, in time, 2004, it was pretty much done. Oh yeah, in a way that it, it was done. So I kind of, I, I want to say like maybe 2001, 2002, because this is during the time when I'm still watching baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of started like. Paying more attention to the Red Sox because I could tell, like even in the early two thousands, that the Braves, you know, they run was like pretty much done for. So right. I kind of, you know, started kind of like looking at another team, like, oh well, my Braves, yeah, they, I still like the Braves, but mm-hmm. like maybe there's another team that I can like also like as well because there's no way we say that you just have to like just that one team, no, and especially. No. Especially, in, I mean, in my case, it's a little different because, yeah, I mean, at that point, I had the Florida Marlins who won one, but not two World um, <laughs> Series. We we had an episode talking about that, yes, but yes, we did, yes, we did. You know, but I was like, yeah, I still can't get behind that team, and I mean, the Devil Rays had just kind of started, you know, coming along, I believe, around that time, so it, it wasn't like. Okay, I have like an allegiance to the Florida team. So I mean, hell, I, I grew up as a freaking Atlanta Braves fan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of started like drifting, like looking at another team to kind of you know feel like I could support as well. And the Red Sox just, I don't know, because I said you have David Ortiz, you had freaking Manny Ramirez, you know that mm-hmm. maniac, mm-hmm. um, and I mean Nomar, you, you know, and everything like that. So they had, like I say, they had a good kind of. I want to say blue collar ish type of a team or whatnot, and, yeah. And you know, so and plus, of course, you know, the curse of the Bambino, and they can't, they haven't won a World Series in eighty plus years, and blah blah blah. Nineteen eighteen, yeah, right. Nineteen eighteen, that's a long time between World Series victories. Oh God, and oh jeez, but yeah, I mean, they just put it all together, and you know, they made history. I remember, I actually. And what's crazy about it, that was that was the, that was the last I want to say that was the last like full season of baseball that I actually watched. Oh wow! Yeah. So, but yeah, that, that was that, I think that's why it's always going to be memorable for me watching the Red Sox or whatnot, especially around that time because like 
after they won the World Series. Like, yeah, I was watching them. I'm, I'm done. Uh, yeah, they, they broke the curse. And... Broke the curse. And that's <laughs> yeah. it. I'm, I'm, I'm good now. So, uh, but of course, you know, whenever you watch a sports center or whatnot, I always saw highlights. So I always, you know, kept up with like knowing who people are. So I could always have conversations with people about baseball and stuff like that when I talked to a few people who did that I knew personally that, you know, uh, in regards to baseball. But, you know, I still kept up with it after that, but not on the level. Like, I wasn't, like, sitting and watching games and everything. Because I was I was more focused on playing basketball and watching basketball. Everything was basketball at that point. But, mm-hmm. but it, it was, like I said, that was a good run for them. And it, it was something that you never forget because it was a historical moment. So. It was. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you go all that time between winning the World Series and you finally break through when you win. I don't care what sport it is. That's always a huge, huge accomplishment. It's always going to, you know, get talked about. You go down in history. Yeah. And like yeah. I mentioned earlier too, and much like I mentioned earlier too about uh, Kurt Schilling pitching with the infamous bloody sock game. How do you feel about that? And do you remember that game? Do you remember when he, you know, I just, I just got that visual of just seeing that sock just soaked in blood. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that, man. That's like one of those classic sports moments. You'll, you'll never forget that. Do you, any thoughts on that? I mean, that's, that, that'll go, like you said, that'll go down in history. It's, it's an infamous moment. Um, it, it brought a lot of like tension and excitement. Like, how is this man out here on this bad foot and, mm-hmm. and his, you know, and everything like that? But he's pitching his heart out and everything. Even though Kurt Schilling has, you know, not, you know, he he's not uh, such a likable guy right now. Yeah, yeah very, very crazy. He's not. No. <laughs> but, but you 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 had like a fan base, and I think even non fans of of the Red Sox at that point in time, they like everyone kind of rallied behind him because he. Literally put his blood, sweat, and tears. Literally, you know? yeah. Literally. <laughs> he he gave you know a, what a pound of flesh, basically, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for the win. You know that just showed just the heart that he had to do that. Because I don't think a lot of guys would have continued with it. And then, of course, you know, it's always been like, oh, uh, you know, that was actually, you know, it, it was a real blah blah blah. And it's like, come on, it's like, why, why every time when stuff like this happens, it's always. Oh, you know, it's always some type of controversy, conspiracy, or some crap. Yeah, like always. Just, just, just live in the moment. Let the moment happen. Somebody, oh, you know, that's not real. You know, it's, all, it's always got to be one of the ones. It's got to, you know, kind of spoil and ruin the moment. Exactly. Mm, mm, mm. And also, too, another thing that happened during that season, the infamous Alex rodriguez Jason Veritek fight <laughs> took place oh, that geez. season, too. Oh, I forgot about that, too. I'm like, oh, man, man, a lot, a lot was going on during that run to the um, World Series for the Red Sox that season. Yeah, I definitely remember that fight. I was, let's go put that as one of those, you know, infamous, you know, baseball brawls. <laughs> well, isn't that the same fight where, where Manny, uh, not Manny, but Pedro pushed down John Zimmer? I believe, yeah, I believe, yeah. I believe that was the one. <laughs> I mean, but what was, I mean, but, you know, Pedro always get flack for that, but it's like, well, what was he supposed to do? He, John Zimmer is coming at him in a threatening way. Be glad he wasn't like one of these, you know, Crazy dudes or whatnot that would have cold cocked the old man. He just pushed him down. Pushed him down. So, yeah, exactly. Because somebody else would actually, you know, went upside his head and actually hit him. Exactly. So you know, be glad that that's all Pedro did to him. But it was all like, oh, I can't believe Pedro did what he did to Johnson. Like, no, this man was coming. He was coming. Look, Pedro defended himself, mm-hmm. and he didn't. He didn't. You know, hit him. He just 
side, you know, sidestepped him and, you know, kind of just pushed him down. Let his momentum basically carry him to the ground in a way. So, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, that, but that was an infamous, you know, fighting Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Just watching him try to fight. That, that was funny. I know. Nah, <laughs> Crazy man, but yeah, man, that was that was that was a, that was a good season for the rest. Like, you know, it's happy, happy for them. You know, you see a fan base, you know, that's you know, goes down that long period of time without actually winning. They finally break through. They're happy for them, man. But um, any other thoughts? Anything else from that season that sticks out to you? Um, I'm trying to remember. Was that in 2004 when that happened? When because I mean, Manny was doing a lot of shenanigans. Oh, oh, you know, always. And, oh, and, I, and they always kind of they kind of run together with some of the stuff that he did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, but can't nobody take away like when he was on, he was on. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, of course, he's always remembered for all the ridiculous. I mean, he was basically Marshawn Lynch before Marshawn Lynch in a way. Yes, um, yes, he was. Yes, you know, but he, but at the same time, he he was a a good player, and mm-hmm. I think. I think once he left the Red Sox, that's when you know things kind of fell off the wagon for him completely. But when he was with them, they let him be him, you know, and everything. But yeah, but uh, as far as like anything from that particular season outside of those what we talked about, nothing really sticks out that I can really remember. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up here. Um, so we've been getting a little overseas uh baseball. They've been having, they've been showing like late night these um, the Korean baseball league. They started the other night playing some games and everything. So we're getting a little overseas uh baseball action. Uh, any thoughts on that? I'm just waiting on Tom Selleck to show up. You know, just the baseball. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, there, there you go. <laughs> no, 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 that'd be something. I, I, I tune in for that one. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. that that movie is ridiculous. But but uh, I mean, but it's seriousness though. I mean, because as a matter of fact, when I came home from work um, earlier today and I sat down to eat and get ready to eat, and before I got ready to do the show with keto and whatnot that mm-hmm. we did. And I flip over on ESPN, and lo and behold, they show in one of those games, and the pitcher name for one of the teams, because I didn't even catch the name of the teams, but one of the pitcher name was was Jun Lee, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what like Jun Lee? Like, wow. what? Who is this? But but it's interesting watching like their style of baseball, which is kind of is completely different from oh, American man. baseball. Mm-hmm. So so I did watch a little bit of it, but. I was like, I can't, I can't sit and watch the, the, their brand of baseball. Yeah, yeah, I had it on a little bit the other night, and like I say, it's very, very difficult compared to you know what we see here in the states. I'm like, hmm, this is, this is kind of kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, but at least it's it's some baseball, right? At least it, it, it's something. This is definitely something. Now, um, any thoughts to you think we actually going to end up having a baseball season? I know they've been talking back and forth about, you know, thinking about trying to get something together. But you think we actually going to have a season at any point soon? I, or you just think we might cancel the season? Or what you no, I, I, I think probably by the end of this month, the beginning of June, I feel like that's when, like, you're going to get the rumblings and, and when an actual date of when baseball is going to get started. Yeah, definitely something to something to keep an eye out for. So hopefully, you know, at some point we get some 
it's some major league baseball. So we, but but I think we've been doing a good job these past few weeks, you know, coming up with different, you know, things to discuss to keep the keep the show rolling. Yeah, because I mean, there's so much to talk about. Just in I mean, it the, is. Of, the sport's over two hundred years old. I mean, there, there's so so there's much. There's so about. many different talk stuff to talk about. You know, moments, and players, and teams, and everything. So there's more than enough content for us to you know keep the show rolling until they actually you know decide to get the season going. So yeah, we got plenty of stuff to cover. Actually, next episode we're gonna be talking about the Cubs breaking the curse, winning yeah. the World Series. Yeah. Oh, speaking. Oh, well, not speaking of the Cubs, but I don't know if you saw. Uh, we got another um, baseball player to follow the Twitter page. No, who who who, who was it? Irvin Santana. Irvin Santana. Okay. Yeah. Well, shouts out to him for giving our page a follow. Awesome. That, that's awesome. Getting some notoriety out there. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. So I mean. Who knows? Like, let's say we we, we kind of gain a little traction. So yeah, yeah. Like I say slowly but surely. I, I, I like that. I like that. I, I have to check that out. That's awesome. Because I, I but, had to um, make it, sure it was really him. Yeah, make sure it's legit. Yeah, I know you, you see you get so many fake accounts and everything out there. You always want to make sure it's actually you know legit active account. So that's awesome, man. Um, anything else before we wrap up out of here tonight? Anything else we want to discuss baseball wise or anything else that we talked about tonight? Anything else? Um, no, that's pretty much it. All right, cool. So that's another episode in the books. Like I said, next episode we'll be talking about the Cubs World Series win. Thank you as always, Dre. Um, anything you want to plug, sir? Um yeah, uh, let's see. So I don't think I did it on the last episode. Or maybe I did. I can't really remember at this point. Um, so uh, for movie talk, um, since we're in the month of May, uh, May action is in full swing. Uh, episode one fifty nine, I did with uh, Kita. We reviewed the movie Haywire, which starred Gina Carano in her first starring role um, in a movie. Uh, and then for episode 160, I'll be uh, reviewing uh, Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill Volume 1. So can look forward to that. Because for me, I decided to dedicate it to the ladies in action. So each one of the movies is starring a late, you know, female in an action role. So Awesome. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. And guys, as far as I'm concerned, you can follow me on Twitter at Moneymaker Chris, as well as Instagram, DC Sports Fan 86 or 23. I'm sorry, 23. Follow follow this show's uh, Twitter page at Slam underscore podcast. Give us a follow over there. Also, check out my website, the, the, the cashinexperience.com. Everything's on there products, blog, you name it, it's there. Check it out. All right, Jay, any last words for this episode? Um, I can't think of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it, but then it just completely, why well, I went completely blank. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing either. Just you guys, just take care, be safe out of there, and we'll see you in two weeks. Peace out.